0: Hey folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You know the drill. We are back to promote the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been a longtime sponsor of Front Row Knowles and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, and you will appreciate the Champions Club if you have not been there. We've been saying this for a couple of years now, basically since it opened. You need to at least schedule a tour. The season's here. Go in, sample it, find out what you're missing. It
1: is a great place to watch a ball game. Florida State uh, is scheduled for a 5 o'clock kick for their first home game, and I know there may even be some more. So if you want to stay out of the heat, you got that opportunity, as well as food and drink, the ability to get up and move around. It's a great place to watch a contest.
0: It's also a great place to watch other contests because they got lots of TVs and don't tell anybody I said that cuz really we want you sitting in the seats watching the FSU game but uh, you can check on the other games too. For more information, you can call 850, you know that, 644-1830 to buy tickets or schedule
2: a tour. And now on with the show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello everybody, Tom Block, Keith Jones. This is
0: Front Row Knowles' first look, and unfortunately we need to look back at this game. 22-20, Wake Forest gets the victory. Certainly a game that was there for the taking, Keith, and I think that's what will linger the longest as FSU looks at tape today and this week, and we reflect back. We don't know how the rest of the season will go, but we know this is one that I won't say definitely should have won, but certainly could have won that football game.
1: Without question, coming into the ball game, you know, everybody talked about, you and I in particular, uh, the first half of the season was 3-3. Three and three. Now you're starting in the second half. You've got an opportunity to go up to Winston-Salem and play what is arguably a very good, very good uh, Demon Deacon team. However, they were coming off a very disappointing loss. So, you know, they lost 62-59, scored 59 points and lost. You you had to think from a psyche standpoint, from a mental standpoint. You were catching them just right. Uh, Florida State, knowing that they, they they were playing the defending national champion, and and just a game that you didn't expect them to do much of anything in. Now you can begin that second half of the season, right the ship, and it just got away from them. I mean, this is a game you'll look back on and say, what if, uh, how come, and and why didn't we? and it's rather disappointing. It's it's a different kind of disappointment for me. I don't know about you, but a a different kind of disappointment because this is a game all of us had penciled in. Even though Wake had had a great season, this is a game you pencil in you've got to have as a victory, and Florida State didn't play with a lot of enthusiasm. There wasn't a lot of bouncing around. There wasn't a lot of uh, let's take advantage of the opportunity, and it just kind of played itself out the second half with the with the rain which you had to endure it was kind of just icing on what was a, a, a cake that that didn't didn't rise or the souffle that didn't rise and it just never came to be a
0: couple of things couple of ways you could look at this on the one hand wake forest didn't have a starting quarterback and if they have their starting quarterback they probably don't settle for five field goals and score a lot more points on the other hand, and we'll break this game down much further, Florida State turned it over twice in the red zone, and if they don't do that, they win the football game, and that's the bottom line. Cam Akers fumbled. James Blackman threw an interception. Both of those were touchdowns going in the way Florida State had moved the ball on those drives. You talk about it all the time in terms of keys to any game. Turnovers is right there, particularly turnovers in the red zone, and that's without even mentioning the missed kick at the end of the game.
1: There's no question that Florida State had every opportunity to win this ballgame and, and kind of, as I mentioned, let it get away from them. The same thing can be said from for Wake Forest. Again, you talk about them settling for the field goals. You know, FSU's defense was the bend and not break. They really got good when Wake got inside the 15, as you mentioned, uh, limited them to four field goals on their on their first four scoring opportunities but then never took advantage of the fact that Wake wasn't able to get seven. They only settled for three, and Florida State was able, able to come back and, and counter that. Now, I will say that the game got entertaining in the second half, and there were a couple of times when Wake went down and scored and FSU came back right back and answered it. But overall, you've got to believe that this was something that, from, from just a getting ready and being prepared standpoint, Florida State and the coaching staff did not do a good job of, of – of getting that in place, uh, and, and therefore they never got up, uh, up enough to, to feel comfortable. And in the end, you know, Aguayo misses a 50-yard field goal that could have been the difference. And you're sitting at uh, you're sitting at three and four, and kind of scratching your head.
0: And we'll scratch our head for the next hour. First, let's listen to Coach Taggart's comment as he met the media after the game. Again, Wake Forest wins it 22 to 20, and here's the comments from Coach.
3: Well, this one this one hurts. Um, I thought our football team played better in certain areas uh, but again uh, turnovers and, and penalties um, hurt us especially in a critical situation and uh, we didn't find a way to win this ball game I thought like I said I thought our guy did some good things throughout the game but when we could talk about winning plays um, those penalties and turnovers it's just hard to win ball games when you do that, those things especially you turn the ball over in the red zone um, and you can't get any points so um like I said, that one hurt uh, big time.
0: Willie, before the kick, were you close to going for it? Is that why the clock, play clock was running down? You didn't know if you were going to kick it
3: at that point because of the distance? Well, yeah, we, we, we was thinking about it uh, going forward, but um, Ricky had a good week of practice. He was 100% all week in practice, and he had a strong enough leg to, to make it, so we, uh, we tried to go for it. Was the timeout, play clock was winding down? Yes, play clock was running down. Coach, we saw a lot of emotion from some players coming off the field. I guess once guys got into the locker room to settled down a bit, but it was a vibe. And there, you know, I mean, they're disappointed. They're upset. I mean, guys want to win, you know, and um, have a close game like that, and and you don't win, they're disappointed. You know, we want to win just as bad as everyone else. You know, and and we got to find a way to win the ball game, get back in the win column. Um, but they were, they were disappointed. Coach, how would you assess James' play tonight? I thought he did some good things. You know, I thought there at the end, um, getting a couple of fun was snapped there at the end. But I thought for the, the throughout the game, he played well. Coach, it like quick there were times maybe when Cam
0: Lakers
3: had it going, and maybe you guys went away from him a little bit at times. Was it just the flow of the play calling, or, or just what happened with Cam? Uh, nah, we were just calling plays. I mean, Cam got 30 carries. He did a good job running the football for us, you know. Um, and we just we didn't execute in those, in those those plays that we did call. But uh, I thought Cam did a good job running the football when he was in there. Well, obviously this would have been a huge win for guys if you'd gotten it on the road and what it went
4: done the your season. But not getting it, what does
3: that do? Is it, is it you it's a setback? Or? Um, I think anytime you lose is a setback. You know, we want to win every ball game we play, and. and I mean, in a game like that you wanna find a way to win it. It would have been huge for us on the road to find a way to win a close ball game like that and we, we didn't. So I think any time you lose is a setback, but um, but we find a way to come back and, and win the game. We're coming back at home against Syracuse, homecoming and we gotta find a way to get back in the win column. You ended up playing
4: really the whole second almost the second whole second half of that left side of the offensive line in the center being guys that normally don't start. Were, they, were the starters not able to go back in or did
3: you like what that group was doing? Uh, we liked what the the group was doing for the most part. Um, I know Brady had got hurt there early. Um, Jawan was not as healthy. Be- 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 bello could have, but we liked what we, what we was doing there. We liked those guys in there. Coach, obviously down the stretch here, in the margin is getting smaller, I guess. In the last year we saw things kind of turn at a certain point in the season. It was a different year, but how, how do you feel about the group's ability to, to finish strong? Right? I feel great about it. I think our guys will. I think they'll finish finish strong. Um, we just got to get back to work, and again, we we got to make when it plays. We I say this every week, but it is, it's true. We can't turn the football over. You know, we got to take care of the football. And uh, we didn't do a good job with that. You know, we turned it, turn it over in critical situation. We turned it over in the red zone where we're about to score, and then we threw an interception on our side of the field. And we can't do that. Well, how do you guy?
4: Cam had obviously a huge night rushing the football, and that's a big place, two, two touchdowns. Um, but this was another big situation where you had a fumble um, earlier in this year, you had a situation where you guys could have maybe gone ahead like the lead out. I mean what how do you handle a guy who's obviously maybe your best offensive player one of the top
3: two but then also that's a crucial mistake uh, you handle him like you handle everybody else you know and I thought we did that and he fumbled when we took him out the game and Kalen went in you know um, and you got to continue to work on those things in practice and um, and then Cam just got to take care of the football you know Cam disappointed he disappointed what happened and uh, got to in traffic, put two hands on the ball and make sure they don't get it.
0: The last two times they were both healthy, you got reps for both quarterbacks. This game going in, you just wanted to ride the starter?
3: Yes. Is Did you like what you saw from him enough that moving forward, or is that something you
0: look at film and see?
3: Um, I thought James did a good job. I mean, he threw the ball well other than that interception. He threw the ball well, got it to some guys. He had some drops in there. Uh, I thought James threw the ball well.
0: And if you look at the numbers overall, the offense ran for a good chunk of yards and he grew for 280 but only 20 points what is it just like you said the turnovers is it just execution at big moments
3: Uh, I mean we had some drop passes Uh, we turned the ball over in the red zone we missed the field goal Um, those all the points you know and then we um, after we had some momentum going we had those pre-snap penalties that just killed us and got us backed up you know but uh, we left some points out there you know whether it was drop passes or, or the turnovers um that that hurt us you just can't do it
0: the comments of coach Willie Taggart a disappointing defeat for Florida State you look at it Keith and there's there's two games now that Florida State uh, really could have won this you're certainly the Boise game different than the Wake game because you were up 18 and that was at home and you were up 18 at two different points in that game this one you never could you could never get separation and again, and it's been a problem all year long, the third quarter and the inability to score. Florida State had momentum, if you subscribe to the theory that there is such a thing as momentum. They got the ball to start the third quarter, uh, didn't score on the initial drive, but got it back, had good field position, three drives in a row, finally got it moving, and were going in for a score that uh, that would have put them up by two scores, because it was 14-12 at that point. You could have gotten to 21-12. And that's when Cam Akers fumbled, and, and from there it uh, remained a ball game the rest of the way. You know, two things we talk about all
1: the time when you're playing on the road. You cannot afford penalties, <coughs> pardon me, and you can't turn the ball over. And I guess the sub part of that is the worst place to turn the ball over is in the opponent's red zone because you you come away just shaking your head and wondering what if. Now, I will say from an offensive standpoint, there were times when Florida State got their running game going. That's something that FSU had not been able to do, obviously, against Clemson and kind of gotten away from it uh, the two weeks or so prior. Uh, Cam Akers, I thought, had a a nice game. I thought Bryles called a good game in getting him the ball. Uh, He made a couple of spectacular plays. The touchdown reception uh, comes to mind. But again, the fumble and and if i remember correctly there was another fumble that cam got that we happened to get back so that's two miscues in that game we know about the ones he's had prior uh i don't want to fault him for that he runs so hard it's just so hard to to be uh you know anything but positive about what cam does but the bottom line is ball security gets amplified when you get into the opponent's red zone that is the area you just ref- have to refuse to turn the ball over and he had as you mentioned the fumble and 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 blackman had the interception and and that just kind of made the game what it was and and allowed Wake to hang around at on home and you know sets up that field goal that aguayo misses and i think you called it best never were able to get any separation no
0: separation at all just to finish the cam acres conversation here ball security has been an issue for cam and I'll make this a fair statement when I finish, but you can certainly look at it right now, and if he doesn't fumble that ball, you get a touchdown, you're probably going to win that game. He had a key fumble in the Boise game late in the third quarter, about the same situation in the game where if you go in and score, you're going to win it. Now, that said, Florida State's not in the game against Wake Forest if Cam doesn't rush for what he did. They don't beat Louisiana Monroe. They're not half the offense that they are without Cam, And it it leads to an interesting question, which I'll pose and we can talk about in our next segment, and and that is simply this. the Bryles and Clements, I feel like, have made a difference when you compare last year's offense to this year's, but I'm not so sure that the biggest difference isn't just that Cam Akers is healthy this year and he wasn't healthy last year.
1: Well, I think I vote for that without question. We weren't aware of how banged up and nicked up he was last year. He did not really get healthy until about the eighth or ninth game of the season. In 2019, he's been healthy from the get-go, and the numbers speak for themselves. Despite the the miscues, he ran for 157 yards. He's still averaging about 120, 130 a game, whatever it is. For the season, he's still the go-to guy. You still hold your breath every time he, he puts the ball underneath that arm uh, or he goes out on a pass and has an opportunity to bring it in. I think he had four catches in this contest. He's, he is the playmaker. Uh, I will say the other thing that 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 we saw against Wake that we hadn't seen is that we saw some drops by the receivers, or certainly we saw the receivers not make some catches that they had previously made. The ball was off a little bit by Blackman. He was not as sharp as he has been, hasn't for the last couple, of three weeks. We'll talk about that later when we uh, break down the offense. It was just a game that was really peculiar and different in those types of ways, and as a result, Wake was able to stay right in it and, and come away the win with the win in a game that you're going to look back and you're going to be very, very disappointed when you look at that tape.
0: Especially when I utter this sentence as we go to break, Wake is bowl eligible and Florida State has serious questions about it for a second straight year. We'll come back since we opened the can of worms about the offense. We'll continue that conversation right after this on Front Row Knowles' First Look.
2: Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool & Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back. Wake Forest wins at 22-20 over Florida State. Tom and KJ with you. Keith. Let's continue the conversation about the the offense. You mentioned that the receivers had some drops, and we'll get to the quarterbacks uh, as we continue this. We already really talked about Cam. I to me, he's had big long touchdowns this year. He had a touchdown, the third one in the game, that got Florida State the lead briefly at at twenty to nineteen. Tamari and Terry has has to me has not lived up to the hype, and and to be fair, maybe we overhyped him a little bit. But there's just been some inconsistencies there. I think he had eleven targets in this game the other night for just a couple of catches and, and less than 60 yards.
1: Well, a combination of things that are taking place. Uh, he is drawing more attention, but there have been times when he has been open and either Blackman has missed him or not thrown the ball properly or he's not been able to come up with a catch that we've seen him previously come up with a catch on. Now, he is going against some better DBs in the middle part of the season. You know, Wakes are not going to make the All-American team, but they're they're experienced, they're older. They do a good job of, of making sure they stay close. Uh, I think more than the receiver drops, though, Tommy, I think we've got to go back to Blackman and talk about his inability to find the open receiver because there were several times in that ballgame when they'll go back and look at the tape, and he threw the ball to the wrong guy. And number two, when he does throw it, we had previously seen very good accuracy. But for whatever reason, that accuracy has gone. And then the third criticism is, when he does run, he doesn't run in an aggressive type of style. I mean, one of the things that I was disappointed in is when he came up short, had that third and long in the second half of the of the game, and he started throttling down two or three yards before the first down marker. I mean, I know it's hard, and we talk about these kids, and they have to be robots, and you need to know it's third and 11, and you need to know when you get close to that first down marker. But he just doesn't seem to have that, that sense either in the pocket or when he's running with the ball about where he is and where the defenders are and where he needs to get to. And and it's not gotten any better and I'll be not the first to say, I understand that rotating the quarterback against Clemson was not the thing to do, but I think this week you've got to take a real hard look and you've got to go back and now consider whether you want to elevate Hornerbrook to the starter and let Black, Blackman be the backup. I think this is a week you need to look at that and I think you need to look at it hard and consider making that change.
0: I'm glad you brought up the point about the scramble, because I was going to go there if you didn't. The, and this one is the one in the second half, but really there was, there was two misses. In the first half, uh, there was a play where it was they needed two yards, and he tripped over Cam Akers' foot, and that was unfortunate. Maybe that's not on Blackman. On that play, by the way, Keith Gavin lined up to the left side. There was no DB there on that play. You've got to recognize that's a sure touchdown. If you just, I mean, there wasn't a Wake Forest defender within 20 yards of Keith Gavin. Uh, but needless to say, they they go the other way. It should have been a first down, but you get tripped up. And that play in the second half, uh, you're exactly right. You if you're if You have to know where that line to make is. And he was diving to try and protect himself a little bit, but he dove too early and that knee went down. They got the call right. You've got to make that connection. Your point about the accuracy, I wonder how much the knee has played into that. Because to me, the accuracy was better before he dinged his knee, and it's not been there since. So it's it's easy to draw, but maybe that's missed time at practice while he was out with the knee. Maybe you know, maybe it's not a lingering issue right now. But that seems to me to be where the accuracy started to disappear. the The point is, he has not been accurate
1: in three or four ball games. So if this was the first game, if Wake was the first game in which he showed uh, the inaccuracy then you give him the the, 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 the doubt. You, when you couple his inability to make the read properly on some of those RPOs, and he has not been very good at doing that, if you couple the fact that he has not run well in the open space and not had a sense for where he's at, if you couple that with the fact of the inaccuracy, you couple that with the fact that sometimes he misses the open throw, I go back to my earlier comment. For the good of the team, you're 3-4. and four. For the good of the team, you take a good hard look at whether you want to elevate Hornebrook this week. And and if James beats him out and that's who you want to start in Syracuse,
0: that's fine, but you give Alex a shot this week, in my opinion. The offensive line, you know, Wake Forest is not a not a great defense, and I don't think we're going to get through any game this year and say Florida State's offensive line dominated, but it was nice to see Cole Minshew back. Uh he's certainly a bigger presence there. And had he not gotten hurt last year and, and missed so much time this year, the offensive line was would not be what they've been. So that's a welcome addition. Uh, they played the true freshman at left tackle there. So you really had a new left side of the line. And Baselli played the whole second half, I guess, for Baby and Johnson. Um, so you really had uh, three new linemen. And if nothing else, you have more depth. But I think Minshew's the biggest plus there. And, and also there's upside that, that maybe now – uh, the true freshman is, is progressing. Is it Washington? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Darius Washington uh, at that left tackle because that's, that's two true freshmen on the offensive line now.
1: Well, and with Minshew in there, you've got the most experienced guy right beside him that can help him uh, when calls are being made and that type of thing. Tommy, I didn't think the offensive line played terribly bad against Wake Forest. I'll acknowledge that Wake Forest's front is not a NC State front. It's not a Clemson front. certainly not a Florida front that you're going to see on down the road. But they're a good, sound defensive football team. And Blackman was sacked once. Uh, he was pressured and hurried a, a couple of three times. But overall, when you have a running back run for over 150 yards – and a quarterback that completes 60% of his passes when he's not throwing accurately, then I think you, at face value, give the offensive line a little bit of a better grade than maybe they would. You would have thought of previously. I think Minshew being back from a stability standpoint is very good. I hate that Babyon is out, but Baselli came in. I think uh, accounted for himself well. Uh, it's just, it's just that they. You would love for them to be dominant. So that there'd be one area of the of the offense that you could absolutely one hundred percent rely on uh they're getting better they're
0: not terribly good yet, but they're getting better. It looked to me like baby and Johnson and Brady Scott both could have gone back in the game. they both came out, they had their helmets on, they were up uh you know again right on the sideline, engaged in the game so i I think that the prognosis will be good there uh not as good on Ontario Wilson by the way uh who Hurt his shoulder, I think, and and I think he's going to be out for a few weeks. Uh, so that's two weeks in a row. You've lost, you've lost basically two starting receivers there because Keyshawn Helton went out as well. All right, we haven't talked about the end game situation, Keith. So as we finish up the offensive uh, section, we need to do this. Florida State uh, gets the ball, gets to a third and well, it was a first and ten. They ran it a couple times. They they get to third and whatever it was, third and eight maybe, and and they throw to the tight end and McKitty gets chopped right down fourth and six and then there was indecision about are we going for this or are we kicking and ultimately that indecision led to the need to take a timeout because you were staring at a 50-yard field goal and the play clock was about to expire so if you wanted to keep the time out you were going to back up your kicker five more yards to kick in that rain.
1: There's no doubt in my mind that as soon as McKinney was cut underneath You've got to be thinking, I've got to go for this field goal. I know it's a 50-yard field goal. I know that Ricky has not been consistent. But that is fourth and sixth. The rain was coming down, had been coming down. You had not done a good job of of getting short yardage. All of your your third-down conversions were long. You did have a couple of fourth-down conversions, but they were fourth and one, fourth and two. So now you're staring at fourth and sixth. That just tells me, and I'm sorry, that just tells me that the communication and the thought process, the decision making thought process amongst the staff still has work to do because you cannot you cannot put your kicker in the position your holder's going to look up and see where that that count is, and when they got set, the count was at five. You can't ask your kicker whoever he is to make the kick under that circumstance. In fact, you should have been calling timeout with five seconds left to go before it got down to two or one. You should know enough about the situation to make that happen, and you should have never gotten in that situation to begin with. So the, so that criticism is directly on Willie and his staff, and, and whatever went into that or didn't go into that, they've got to get better at that because you can't put your kicking team in that situation. It almost came back to haunt them.
0: Well, it did come back to haunt him. The kick was no good. Now, I don't know that I subscribe to the theory that, in effect, you iced your own kicker there because Aguayo has had issues anyway, and he missed that just as in the previous game where he missed three. It, you know, he, he pushed it to the left.
1: Those that say you iced your own kicker, they don't understand how a kicker needs to get out there and a holder needs to be comfortable within the time. That saved them from being more rushed than they were on the second kick. It was a better decision to call timeout than to not call timeout.
0: Fourth and six, you're right. What's interesting, and and we'll never know the answer to this, but if McKitty gets four yards there and it's fourth and two, do you think they kick or do you think they like the percentage chance better to convert fourth and two? Oh, if it's fourth and two or fourth
1: and one, they go for it. There's no question in my mind. You just can't go for it on fourth and six. You've just not had plays that have done that. Cam's either been shut down at the line of scrimmage or gained a yard, or he gained nine or twelve or 13 I have not I d I I haven't I don't have the play sheet in front of me, but I don't think he had a six yard run in the ballgame, did
0: he? That would be that would be my vote. Well, regardless, I get your point. I mean if it's fourth and even fourth and three, maybe they go for it, but uh ultimately that wasn't the case. Now the other time – so then uh they only had one timeout left. They had to use one there. The other timeout that was called uh earlier in the second half was when Wake Forest was punting taggart didn't call it it was called uh by the somebody with the special teams and i i think they had too many men on the field maybe not enough men on the field i'm not positive but whatever it was it was taken there because it, it appeared they weren't lined up correctly and didn't have the right personnel as wake was getting ready to punt
1: and what does that go back to coaches communication again these these things shouldn't be happening
0: in game number seven of the season Ended up costing them because at the end you only had one timeout remaining, get the ball with 40 seconds. Uh, There's not a lot to decipher there. I think the odds that Florida State was going to go to field goal range from its own 25 with no timeouts, not very good. But certainly quarterback dropping the ball didn't help because that twice, and that was basically how the game ended. That was how the game ended. That that was
1: exactly how the game ended, and probably those last two plays – or a microcosm of how the whole game was you, you 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 were and then you were disappointed, just disappointed
0: all right, we will uh step aside and and come back and talk uh defense, I guess, but first uh a word from Mr. Jones.
1: We want to bring your attention to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. It's your location for all your tool needs. It's where all the pros and do-it-yourself workers shop. Big box pricing with local service. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Tallahassee location is open on Saturdays from 8 a.m.
2: until noon. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. More Front Row Knowles first look right after this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
0: Front Row Knowles' first look, Tom Block, Keith Jones. Remember, our regular Front Row Knowles show comes your way each and every Wednesday at 6 o'clock right here. Florida State getting set for homecoming in Syracuse later this week. We'll talk more about that matchup in our next segment. Let's talk about the defense, though, Keith. We went into this game, I think everybody I know expected this to be a high-scoring game looked at Wake's numbers last week. Florida State's defense has struggled. We thought Florida State's offense would have more success. I mean, I really thought, I think I picked 41 to 35 or something like that. Uh, But even if you you backed it off a little from there, I think everybody else had 30-something to 30-something is how this game was going to turn out. Didn't go that way, and the FSU defense played really well.
1: I remember sitting there in the first quarter, first quarter and a half, and we've mentioned this previously, when Florida State, defensively was not able to hold Wake Force. They were able to get yardage, but once Wake got inside the 20, got inside the 15, FSU was able to stiffen up and was able to keep them out, make them settle for 3 and not 7. And particularly after the fourth one, I'm sitting there going, okay, they got 12 points. It's 12 to 7, I think, is the game right then. And I'm going, you know, FSU scores one touchdown there ahead. And and Wake's had all of the success the entire first half. Yes, I thought the defense played uh, well. Uh, it's a diff- different D- offense that, that Wake runs with the way they run that mesh point, and they take such a long time. They literally are walking the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and sometimes even when they hand the ball off, the ball carrier will sit, literally stop for a second see which way to go. Uh, I thought their, their running back was unbelievably tough every time you thought you had him down. Man, he was squirting out of there for another two or three yards. I thought their quarterback was more than manageable. Sage had an unbelievable first half, had 150, 160 yards receiving in the first half alone on the outside, Sage Surratt, that is. And Florida State did a good job of of cutting that out in the second half uh, I think the weather had a little bit to do with that. The ball got a little slick, and I think both quarterbacks struggled with that aspect of it. But I thought the defense played well enough to win. You're not going to have a defense go out there and keep wake to 200 yards like you saw 5 or 10 or 20 years ago. That just doesn't happen to today's game. But they played well enough to win. They came up short, and I know Coach
0: Barnett and his group are disappointed. They almost came up short of safeties in that game with Nasraldine getting called for targeting on the first drive of the game. And then when LaVonta Taylor had that targeting cause, they're reviewing it. I mean, literally, the only other safety that was there was Raymond Woody the third, So that's why it was Dent and LaVonta Taylor played the rest of the way. And they were
1: shorthanded there, there's no question. Uh, and finally, and fortunately, they did get the Taylor targeting corrected. You know, it's interesting to me, both Gene and, and, and William – Struggled with this, but that was not a personal foul targeting, which is normally what you get against a quarterback or against a defenseless player. That was a true targeting call. So either Taylor is going to be tossed out of the ball game or he stays, but there's no yardage penalty. There's no yardage penalty on a true targeting call. And so therefore, the ball came back
0: to the original line of scrimmage. Not not on the Taylor one, it didn't. On the one on weight that they reviewed, there was no penalty, but on the on the Taylor one, they called defenseless receivers. I, you, I'm sorry, you are correct. I was trying to be
1: smart, and I ended up shooting myself in the foot. My point being, from a rule standpoint, a true targeting call doesn't have a yardage penalty associated with it. But yes, thank you for correcting me. Taylor's one, they were able to go back, and it was kind of interesting these referees were, were covering each other's rear end so much. They didn't make a lot of bad calls, but if you go back and look at the tape, you'll see a referee throw the flag and know that he threw it for a targeting-related thing, and all of a sudden you'll see another one or two flags come in. I am so frustrated. You're, you're my new hero. I am so frustrated. We've got to go to the SEC model, which is when in doubt... Keep the flag in your pocket, because right now, when in doubt, they're throwing handkerchiefs all over the field in the in the ACC.
0: Well, we've sat in meetings. We've talked about this, so we're beating a dead horse here, when uh, the late Doug Rhodes would lead the officiating seminars at ACC kickoff. When in doubt, throw the flag. He'd, he'd explain that's what the officials are, are instructed. And I continue to say every other game I watch, particularly in the SEC, it's when in doubt, they swallow the whistle. I mean, I watched a lot of the Florida-South Carolina game on Saturday, and there were several times – I mean, it was – matter of fact, I was sitting there with David Coburn. We were at the team hotel just watching some of the game for a little bit, and I said, well, that's two drives, and I see two calls that definitely would have been 15-yarders in the ACC. But – Whatever the officiating did not cost Florida State the game. You want to jump in?
1: Well, I was going to say since I made the mistake on the calls and you corrected me, I'll share with our listeners another little thing. You and I have the ability to talk back and forth to each other during the game. You down on the field, me up in the. the Wait, with, with, without it going on air. Without without going on air, and as soon as soon as Taylor hit that receiver, you were in my ear going, "Wouldn't have been a flag in the SEC. Wouldn't have
0: been a flag in the SEC." <laughs> I don't think I said it with quite that tone but the but the point stands. Uh but the defense it it was a good effort overall. They didn't get sacks on the quarterback, but Wake doesn't allow sacks. I mean, their offense is 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 their funky running game if you will and if they're throwing the ball, I mean it's it, it tends to be a pretty quick throw. Sage are at uh really impressive. I mean, I don't even know that i can really fault fsu's db's a whole lot on that i mean he's got a lot of talent and kendall hinton in the slot who's a converted quarterback from a couple of years ago he made a couple of really nice catches uh, as he was getting hit too or i mean dent might have been a a split second late but still hung on to the football
1: both of them had seven receptions surratt's went for 170. uh you mentioned uh hinton he's, he's went for 93. they were very impressive and the ability of their quarterback uh, Sam Hartman, who technically technically is the backup quarterback, to get the ball down the field, he ended up being 21 of 38 for a little over 300 yards. Uh, they they are a very efficient offense. I mean, nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody wants to admit this, but th- this was the fourth or fifth best scoring offense in the country i know they had played their non-conference games early i know they had racked up a lot of yardage and a lot of points on people that now they're getting into the acc schedule and it'll be a little more uh, difficult for them but this is an offense that goes up tempo throws the ball well runs the ball well has great receivers on the outside i mean that's why florida state's defense played well enough to win they kept wake well below all of their averages And unfortunately, where Florida State's offense just wasn't able to put enough points on the board.
0: I guess the biggest play I could find fault with for the defense was a third and 10, where in effect they ran a draw and got 12 yards with their their tailback, who is so tough. And that was as part of the one drive where Wake scored the touchdown to take the lead. Well, what was interesting is Clawson, I believe, had already settled for the field goal.
1: So he 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 called the play, offense called the play, and Carney got the ball on that little draw. They were hoping to just pick up three or five. Their place kicker's very good. I think he's 11 for 11 on the season now. And they were setting up for field goal. And Carney just stretched it into a first down. And that's just kind of what they do. They're, they're, they're like little... Uh, I don't want to use the term pest or gnats or that type of thing because they're better than that, but they, will—they Wake Forest, will continue to do the little things. They won't turn the ball over. They only had four penalties in the entire game. They'll take a, a play that's designed to get three or four and set up the place kicker, and they'll get 11 or 12 or 13 out of it and keep a drive going. That's, that's who
0: Clawson's teams are. That's who Wake Forest is fundamentally sound is what you're saying and it showed in the kicking game too not just the place kicking the punter I, I know he shanked one but man before that he was really booming them and uh, they do the little things and it's it's a credit to Wake Forest there but again uh, as far as the defense I don't think there's anything else we need to add about it Marvin Wilson uh, you know everybody held their breath in Seminole Nation for a little bit uh, when he went down but uh, that was that was minor and he ended up coming right back in and I think other than that Pretty clean. Emmett Rice, we should mention Emmett had a career day. He had 14 tackles in this game and uh, really did a nice job. He did. uh, We continue to see, we saw it early,
1: where Florida State, from a defensive back standpoint, will have players in position and just not be able to make the play on the ball. Uh, You mentioned it. I really like Akeem Dent. I think his ball skills and his instincts are really, really good. He just needs more reps, the freshman. And, and he was just a hair laid on a couple of things, particularly in zone coverage. I think when he gets some more time, he's going to be really, really good. Uh, but Florida State, you know was just that one step or half a step away of making some great plays. and when your offense is, is the way it is, uh, and not scoring at the same clip, you would really like to have
0: those those plays, uh, you know one or two of them during a ball game. So Florida State's defense holds Wake Forest to 22, but uh, it's in a losing cause, 22-20, the final score in this one. And uh, we'll come back and we'll wrap things up on
2: Front Row Knowles' first look right after this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Cornerstone Tool & Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' first look, Tom and KJ with our final segment here and
0: final look back as Florida State drops to 3-4. and four. And uh, I guess before we tie up lots of loose ends, I'll turn it over to you for our primary and performance of the game.
1: We will take a look at that. Of course, hands down, the the performance of the game goes to Cam Akers. 30 carries, 157 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Four catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. By my count, using my good Wildwood math, that's 199 yards of uh, all-purpose yardage from the line of scrimmage. Cam had an outstanding, outstanding ball game. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want the bank where they greet you by name? Smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? That's what I call a great performance. Try my bank. Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC, offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com.
0: All right, so this week Florida State gets Syracuse. It'll be homecoming. Kickoff is set for 330. This is Florida State's running out of opportunities. At 3 and 4, you've got five games left. You've got to win three more to get bowl eligible. Now, the rest of the games save for Florida, well, Alabama State, you're going to outman. You're going to win that game. And and Florida, you're going to have to play your best effort to, to, to beat a Florida team that's playing well this year. But if you look at the next three games, they're going to be just like the Wake Forest game. I mean, they're going to be coin flip type games. Florida State may be favored this week. But but in, in general, there are three games that you can win. You need to go on a three-game winning streak is what you're saying and what we're saying. It starts
1: with Syracuse. Homecoming is a terrible, terrible weekend for football players because there's a whole lot of stuff going on that you don't get to participate in. But generally speaking, all that stuff is going on. So while you'll – not be participating and not be tied up in it. You're looking around going, "What is? You know, I'm never, I never went to the parade when I was playing ball. Uh, I never saw, obviously, the halftime when the homecoming court was announced and those types of things. But you know there's a buzz going on. You know there's a big thing going on at the Sucker Center on Friday night. Our good friend Gene Deckerhoff, I guess, will be emceeing again. But you're sequestered, and you're not a part of that, and, and you know it's going on, but you can't participate, so it becomes a little bit unique, hopefully, maybe, maybe the kids will take that opportunity to refocus and and look internally. Because, again, like we talked about in the pregame against Wake Forest, we're back to an issue where you're playing for the name on the front of your jersey, not the opponent. FSU has got to work on the things they've got to work on. They've got to be better on the offensive end and cutting down on penalties and turnovers. They've got to be can continue to be reactive on the defensive end. Syracuse will come in here and they do some things in their offense that are difficult to handle. They'll probably come in and run the ball uh, more than than they normally would to try to take time off the clock. They're coming off of a big loss. Uh, of course, they're they're kind of used to that. I think you mentioned to me that uh, they're the only winless team in the ACC, they do not have a league win, but we know what can happen against Syracuse with under coach Dino Babers, they're going to hit you defensively, they're going to come after you on offense, they don't mind doing a little uh, trickeration, they don't mind doing things a little um, off of the chart. Uh, they'll they'll not be as up-tempo as, as Wake was, but they'll come in here and try to run the ball at a pace and try to throw the ball down the field. And Florida State is going to have to pay attention to the name on their shirt, get better at the things that they've not excelled at, continue to be good at the things that have worked for them if they want to be victorious
0: about 7 o'clock on Saturday here in Doak. The two things that come to mind when I think about Syracuse, one is Tommy DeVito, who's been their starting quarterback this year, got hurt the other night against Pitt. And I don't know his status for this week as we're recording this. I do know when he came in in relief of uh, the starter, oh, his name completely escapes me. I wanted to say Eric Crouch, which is a quarterback from Nebraska from 25 years ago. But you know who I'm talking about, Syracuse's regular starting quarterback. DeVito was lights out against FSU in that game last year, but he has struggled some this year, and I don't know if he's available this week. The other thing I was going to say, and this is a matchup that favors Syracuse, their DNs are really good, and those guys go against Florida State's offensive tackles. Who have struggled this year, so that that's a matchup that Florida State's going to have to to scheme around.
1: Uh, first of all, thank you, but no, I can't help you. I don't know the starting quarterback's <laughs> name either. Uh, that has become a lingering and continuing problem uh, for one KJ. And you're exactly right from a from a pressure standpoint. Syracuse is as good as anybody in ACC at getting pressure on the quarterback. And whether it's Blackman, whether it's Hornerbrook, they're going to have to be able to recognize and get the ball out of their hands quickly. You know, one things that defenses have done that have particularly been uh, difficult for James, Tommy, is is they have now gone to the corner blitz, because particularly if they come from the side that James is not looking, he never picks it up. And remember in the old days, if you if you had a blitz coming, particularly a corner blitz, you'd go to a hot read. Well, James isn't even seeing the corner blitz, so I don't know what hot read they could go to. So that's a, an area that will be in Syracuse's favor as well if they choose to bring pressure not only from what they can generate from their defensive ends, but if they try to be in corners on a corner blitz, at least to date, we've not been good at picking it up.
0: So we discussed the quarterback situation, and the coaches will take a good hard look at that. The offensive line, I think that now that they've got other bodies back, I think there's some decisions that they need to make there too. I mean, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, Babian probably could have played, and I and I think they've returned to him. But they let Baselli go to see what he could do. I think at the left tackle spot, now you've played three guys and you can make a decision there, and I, I think Minshew is definitely going to be the guy at left guard. And then the other change you're going to see offensively is that Artaria Wilson is out of the mix, And so what does that do to the rotation and and getting some other guys uh, some snaps? Because as the season wears on, Florida State's just it seems like they're losing a player a week now.
1: Uh, Injuries have become an issue, and season-ending injuries in particular. And uh, you just hate to see that for anybody, your opponent, yourself, obviously. But, yeah, Florida State is going to have to be a little more creative with their personnel. Uh, I think that gives an opportunity for some kids – to to get balls thrown their way that we haven't seen a lot of. You know what Terry's going to do. D.J. Matthews has been a little underused. We haven't seen him as much. He may get an opportunity with some more reps. Again, I like getting the ball to acres out of the backfield. Uh, it's good that uh, LeBurn, uh, LeBurn rather, is is getting more reps and able to spell acres a little bit. Uh, he had a very good game against Clemson, not so much from a production standpoint uh, against Wake Forest, but he was in there. So personnel issues are things that uh, Coach Bryles and Coach Clements are going to have to continue to pay attention to. Let's see what they come up with.
0: Talk special teams as we finish things up here real quick. Uh, I will, first of all, regarding kickoffs and fair catches and that sort of thing i was in favor of florida state not fair catching uh, a couple of times it didn't work out for florida state with the the way the returns went against wake forest there with harrison but wake has not been good in terms of kick coverage so i thought florida state might be able to get better yardage but more specifically dj matthews has got a somewhere along the line in the last couple of weeks he stopped going to get the punts and catch them and too many are bouncing now he couldn't have gotten all of them against wake but you can speak to this So there's some out there that are hitting the ground that should not be. Your number one priority as a punt returner is to catch the
1: football, period, the end, because you have the option of the fair catch. So you control being able to get to the ball. Two things. Number one, in my opinion, and this is a coaching issue, DJ lines up too deep. He lines up 45, 47 yards deep. I used to line up at 35 and make them kick it over my head. And if they do, so be it. But I'm going to get them up front, and I am not going to let a drop ball drop in front of me. Catch the football. Use the fair catch if you have to. The kicker four Wake was very good. He had four inside the 20. He punted eight times, had four inside the 20, had a long of 61. I get it. But DJ's got to move up a little bit, and then your mindset. Your mindset has got to be not returned your mindset has got to be catch the ball. And then if it works out where it's a little bit of a line drive or you have to back up 10 yards and you've got some extra space, then you know you can get into the return mode. But catch the football. It does not get to hit
0: the ground, period, the end. The other special teams question goes back to Aguayo and whether or not we've seen the last of him as a field goal kicker. Given that he had the game earlier this year where he missed three badly and the job was sort of up in the air, he apparently wanted it practice, and to be fair, I don't know how the other kids are kicking in practice. Uh, it also seems pretty cruel that it, if if he does lose his job, that it comes on the rain from in the rain from 50 yards out.
1: I think what I do again, depending on what's going on in practice, is I I take Goathouse and and I go 40 and in. I'm going to go with him long stuff. I'm going to let Aguayo continue to kick because he's got the good leg. That ball he kicked would have been good from 60 from a distance standpoint. He he just pulled it uh, to the left. So I I would mix it up, but I would I would go ahead and make the change if no other reason to send the message to Ricky. You've got to double down on your efforts during practice the next coming weeks if you want to get your job back.
0: I think we uh, have wrapped things up here. And, and by the way, I still can't think of the Syracuse quarterback's name from last year. But, folks, before you discount this, I'm just going to point out it's 4.59 Sunday morning as Keith and I finish this. And uh, so don't hold it against us. It's what we
1: do for you guys, and we appreciate you listening.
0: Yes, and when you're listening, uh, we'll be sleeping. All right, but we will be back for our show on Wednesday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles First Look.